Previously on the People's Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ali Bunker. Hello, I am Aiden. I thought, seeing as this is my podcast, I'd do a bit of a takeover tonight. So I'd like to share with you a new song that I've written this week. I've completely lost control of my own show. Is it your show anymore? What the fuck's going on? Listening to the People's Wrestling Podcast with your host, Ali Bunker. Yes, welcome to the People's Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, as always, Ali Bunker. I'm joined this week by Aiden Bunker. Aiden, how are you? I'm alright. How's it? How's it hanging? <laughs> it's hanging fine. Yeah. Good uh, to hear. We've not got Matt with us this week, unfortunately. He cannot be with us this week. Nothing serious, but, uh, you know. The usual <laughs> lack of commitment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Matt isn't with us, but uh, we'll soldier on without him, as we often have. And um, yeah, we'll give you some quality content. And in the absence of the man of positivity forgot, us two are going to bring a positive positivity into your ear holes this week. Um, which is an easy, is, well, it's easier said than done at this moment in time with WWE, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. The it's a tough sell. Yeah, <laughs> but there are some positives we can take from from what's been a rough patch. We should say maybe for the last month or so. Yeah, I think regardless of how bad things have been, there's always good bits. There is always good bits. And even otherwise, I would like, I would right? even I would just not watch it. Yeah, exactly. And it's not because we not because we have this podcast where we we just watch it. We actually want to watch it. Yeah. And we're going to WrestleMania because we want to go to WrestleMania. We don't have to. I don't know what I would do with like my extra seven hours a week if I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I could fill mine up fairly quickly. Um, I really don't think I could. <laughs> uh, right, so positivity. Where do we begin? What positivity can we find? Well, so, Raw this week, positive, was better than the last few. Yeah, definitely. It it was it was like they were especially judging from Seth's promo at the start, it was like they were aware they've become self aware <laughs> of their own shortcomings and almost refused to change. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Just do more of the same. But I yeah, I thought this week was a lot better and the crowd were good. Yeah, part part of, I would imagine partly because the show was better. Um but I feel like the show also was better because the crowd were good. Yeah, it, it does go hand in hand. We've said this many, many times. A, a hot crowd makes an, an event or a match instantly better. Um, I think... So, it was Raw was better. There were still some familiar shortcomings um, and a sense of deja vu on a lot of, um, you know, what we were seeing. But you're right. I think the creative team have, have heard the criticism 
and they've stopped short of changing anything but they went as far as acknowledging it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they gave us a free TLC match yeah. for a championship for what the first... There's got to be the first time in, like, Six years, I think a long it. time. Might have even been longer. I think, I remember correctly, CM Punk and Ryback had one. Yeah, about six years, I think that's what they said. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I certainly wasn't expecting a TLC match on Raw. I was not. TLCs, you know, at the weekend. Especially, uh, like, for that match stipulation, yeah, especially as Rollins isn't involved in a TLC match at the pay-per-view. I really feel like that match should be a TLC match. Yeah, that's one of the few matches that should be yeah. a stipulation. <laughs> I mean, I think there's some matches on there which could probably unless, be without being one. I did have a thought while I was watching Raw yesterday, unless the finish is going to be some kind of, like, DQ or no finish because they hate each other so much they're like all over the arena or something like that yeah there must be a reason why they're not putting them in a no DQ match but yeah it was good to see a TLC match on Raw um, and it wasn't, wasn't a bad match was it I mean you don't get bad match. matches with Seth Rollins it was a good match and I think um, it's kind of WWE's way of saying okay well let's put on a good show even if the content isn't great at least the matches will be good yeah Um or at least there'll be a spectacle, almost. And it is a spectacle. A TLC match is a spectacle, especially when you've got someone like Seth Rollins in it. Um, it's always going to garner some interest, which is, you know, what they're after. And if you're not going to see Seth Rollins in a TLC match on Sunday, if you get him on Monday, then hard to complain. Exactly. Um, so that was a positive. I mean, what did you make of WWE sort of spinning the criticism and saying... You know, and moulding it into a storyline whereby they're blaming it all on Baron Corbin as an authority figure. I quite like it. Cause it's quite smart. I think it's quite it, clever. It's quite smart, and it's something that like we haven't really seen before. In that they've like they've brought real life issues into storylines before, but they've never really brought things like like I know Shane mentioned it briefly when he returned, but they've never been like ratings. the reason why ratings are down and everything is shit is because of the person in charge. Of, yeah. Like. I know Shane mentioned it about Steph and Triple H, and then that went away. But yeah, it could work. Well, I mean, I mean, there is an element of truth to it. I mean, I... do you know? Do you know what this entire roar actually kind of felt like? It felt like it was booked and written by a fan, because you had Seth coming out and voicing the fans' displeasure and opinions over the last few weeks. Yeah. You've had two guys from NXT go and win the tag team titles, although they took it from two, two from other NXT. guys from NXT. You had just a free TLC match for an Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, just seemed like a bit like a like general like GM mode in SmackDown vs Raw. <laughs> Retro. Um, yeah, I'm, I can see where you're coming from with that. I mean, or I'll get the popularity that. up. That's it. Like that, you know. <laughs> it was really fucking hard. It was so hard to like. If it's the moment you fell behind with the amount of fans, it was so hard to claw it back. <laughs> Unless you just put in like a hell in a cell match every single week. Yeah. Um, the amount of six man hell in a cell matches I had with my <laughs> top six popular superstars was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, back to reality. I think, I think it's a smart way of you know, acknowledging the criticism and then finding a way to blame it on someone um, who, yeah, you know... Has no real... Particularly like anyway. Yeah. 
Um, but who has no real actual power to change yeah, anything. Exactly. Uh, and, they, you know, we as fans, we all know that. Baron Corbin doesn't have any sway, any sway or any power in any way, shape or form. Um, but we're quite happy to go along with the fact that, yeah, it's boring because there's more Baron Corbin. Yeah. I like the... Um... I like the idea of Seth kind of being a, a voice and a leader for the locker room. Yeah, I mean, did you see the, that his his promo was announced beforehand? That they said, oh, Seth is going to address uh, Baron Corbin and the state of the WWE universe. Mm, no. I was like, why? Why tell us that? Why? Now? Yeah. Time. I, mean, I know. And um, it's kind of come out of nowhere. I think Seth and Baron Corbin haven't really interacted much in recent months no apart from the shield versus yeah, dogs versus barry corbin and aop via Dolph sticker and that lot um but yeah i mean it's kind of come out of nowhere and also why did they play burn it down so many times oh, that was that, that confused the hell out of me <laughs> the guy like prostitute in the burn it down it was ridiculous it's like there was, and there was no they had a button wasn't yeah there? they were like there was no now. pattern to it shit now <laughs> now just, it wasn't like it was in the song it was separate from the song and every time they did it the stage would change as well yeah so weird it was very strange and they could have done it in time with the music or something because the point because the, the best part about the burn it down is the crowd screaming it along with it but because they didn't know, they didn't know it, the, you don't expect it to happen more than once yeah. and then when it does it just kept happening but so intermittently that you can't predict it <laughs> it was very strange I was, I was like you I was very confused as to what was happening I was like as, as Kevin Dunn forms <laughs> he's just leaning on the button he's <laughs> got his teeth stuck uh, <laughs> no I'm not going to go there uh, dun 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 <laughs> so yeah that was weird um, and then he comes out and, and does his um, you know Spiel about calling Baron Corbin out. Baron Corbin comes down. Putting over the revival. Puts over the revival, yeah. And that got Buries the Lucha House rules. Reaction from um, from the fans. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... A, it's, it's a strange story. It, it, was, it was WWE's way. Because like, the fans always complain that they don't listen. The WWE don't listen to the fans. Yeah. So it was kind of their way of saying, look, we, we obviously do listen... But we, but, but, doesn't, but we don't really care. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a path that we're heading down. Because so I saw the... Um, I looked at the the viewership stats mm. from this week's Raw. And the start of this week's Raw was at like 2.3 million. Whereas last week's Raw started at 2.2 million or mm. something. Um, and then by Insect 2, it, it went down to about... 2.1 million and then by seg 3 it was at just over 2 million yeah. and so seg, seg, but seg 2 and seg 3 were the lowest viewed or rated segments in raw history yeah it just keeps getting lower and lower every couple of months yeah really concerning I mean at the same time I feel like they're not helped by the fact that the way people view TV has changed drastically over the last few years um, no, like and I the way actually watch Raw live now. I don't know how many people do. And the way they put out their content as well yeah. is that if you miss Raw, you can catch it all on YouTube in ten minutes. Well, bits of it. You can catch pretty much everything. Yeah. But you get pr- basically everything that happens in between a match, and yeah. you get the gist of a promo. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I would never miss Raw and then catch up on YouTube. Though. I think you miss out on. <laughs> 
No. But I mean, for those maybe who don't have the time to watch it or don't have to do a podcast on it. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> we love to. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. So I think that probably doesn't help the whole ratings issue. Um, but what I would say is that it should be a concern. And I think maybe this this was their way of addressing that particular issue and, and you know admitting yeah things maybe aren't going so well but what i think they're trying to say is we've got a storyline that we think will work give it time we just need to get there you know in the meantime that we're it's That's... almost like they were saying we're intentionally making it shit yeah so kind of have the big payoff when it gets better but i don't think they're meant to be making it as this shit, shit. <laughs> yeah it's like um um Oh, shit, what was I going to say? <laughs> Good point. Uh, yeah, it's like they're saying that... That's the problem with a lot of fans, is that they just won't give anything time these days. Yeah. Like, someone will come out and do something one week to start a new programme, and by the end of Raw, people are like, oh, I don't, I'm, I don't care, I'm more interested. But why? Yeah. What's the reason you're not interested? Just because you, have, like, you haven't seen the endgame yet. The endgame, it could become the most interesting story on raw yeah um so i think part of it yeah like we said was there's obviously an end game for this the way, the way that i wanted this storyline to go we could have maybe started it a few months earlier so we're, we were at the kind of point we're at now where baron corbin's so ridiculously power hungry and stuff yeah but have that a few months ago and then have the team Kurt, team corbin thing at survivor series for ownership of raw yeah i basically just want a replica of the austin bischoff thing <laughs> yeah um because it works so well because yeah. then you have like you've got this one that you've got this leader that everyone loves yeah, and, think... all, and then and then you've got a leader that everybody hates and wants to get rid of yeah and then you've got a real purpose behind it not just a raw and smackdown i think the main difference between that is even though people like her angle Raw wasn't particularly flourishing under him either. Um, no, but I think that's how you can inject a bit of life into it. Is like have him go away, then have him come back and try and win back Raw. Yeah, like put it put it on the line. Don't just be like, oh, Kangas back now. Give him the job back. Yeah, I think that would kind of for a little while anyway reinvigorate things, and then there could be a whole like as a reward for the guys winning for me on. Survivor Series, each of these guys gets a title match tonight, and you have an entire roar of title matches, and instantly that's a good roar. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't get to that point <laughs> with no. Survivor Series. I mean, it doesn't mean it can't happen in another pay per view or anything. So I'm just trying, I'm, I'm now trying to envisage how we dethrone Baron Corbin, basically. Well, I mean, other than losing at the weekend. Is that how he. Oh, yeah, that is, isn't it? Well, he I goes, mean, just goes back to being a. If he wins, he gets raw. If he loses, he goes back to just being... I think so, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, feels like an anticlimax, if I'm honest. Yeah, it does. Because I don't feel like he's got enough heat to take it away from him and it'd be a big payoff, you know. And it's the kind of storyline where, like, this this person is supposedly in control of raw. Mm. Therefore, it should kind of be the most important storyline on Raw. But it is a bit of a side. But it's just show, a bit like you'd expect it to be kind of the third match on the show, and two two matches after it happened, people finished uh, forgot about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, a lot really does depend on the status of Braun Strowman. I mean, yeah, I have no idea what they're going to do if he isn't available, and they're cutting it fine. 
Well, I mean, the my heart wants to say, okay, they know he is or isn't going to be available when they have a plan. But my head says... <laughs> they're going to book they, it on Sunday they're, afternoon. They're completely winging it and they have no idea. And if he can't compete, they'll just bring someone in. That would be really underwhelming. <laughs> Probably completely. That's when you can bring Kurt Angle back. Well, Braun yeah. can't compete. Kurt Angle could. T- Kurt Angle shows up in his shield gear. Wrong <laughs> match, Kurt. Oh shit. <laughs> I think when Kurt Angle came back to WWE, he didn't visit <laughs> more than one TLC match, let alone what one. <laughs> and his first match back being in shield gear. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would like to give, um. Some credit to Baron Corbin, though. I think he's been much improved in 2018. Oh, I think, definitely. I, I think him, him, and, him and Elias, I think, are two of, if not my top two, most improved to 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah, his his character work has really developed. He's, now, he's no longer just like, oh, I'm a dick because I'm quite a big guy and I can probably beat you up. He like he's taken this heel authority role, and he's. I think he's really doing well. I think he's doing okay. I, I mean, I think he's doing well. Um, I think it's quite an easy character to play. Yeah. Where you just you. It's, it's the kind of character that the, the kind of character that a lot of fans can relate to as well. Like, yeah. like we always said with Stone Cold and Vince, everyone wants to beat up their boss. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have a boss at that age, so I wouldn't really have known. Yeah. I guess my mum. No, I do. I don't particularly want to beat up my boss. I would just <laughs> rather earn their money. Yeah, that's true. Um, but if but you I've had, I've had, them up. yeah, I've had bosses in the past where every now and then I'd be like, oh, I wish I could just give you a stunner. <laughs> just go up to him and give him a claymore kick. <laughs> uh, I would love to have seen that. <laughs> poor, poor mine. <laughs> Holman. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, side note. So yeah, I mean, as I say, sweet I think... Tim music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a um, fairly simple and easy character to play, but I think he's doing it all right. If he's doing, he's doing well. He's doing it well. He, he's one of the the few guys on Raw, who, although it might not be at the kind of peak it should be. He can get good heat. He can do. Um, it remains to be seen whether that is like genuine like character heat or just we think you're shit heat um, but I guess at this point it doesn't really matter that much yeah that's the thing I don't think he is shit I don't think he's shit I, I mean I don't find him particularly entertaining I don't find it particularly entertaining but like he's not boring in that like he's not like he's, he's pretty he's good at promos I'd slightly disagree with that I'd say he's very average well, I, don't, I wouldn't say he's bad at all. So I, say I wouldn't wouldn't say he's boring. Um, his matches, especially this year, have gone better. He's got one of the best. I'd say, yeah, I'd say he's improved in ring. He's got one of the best finishes, which is weird because you can only imagine how much better in the ring he'd be if he was allowed to just wrestling in his yeah shirt, shirt and jeans and skinny jeans. Yeah, That's he must be wearing really those like stretchy shirts. Really, really inconvenient. <laughs> If I was him, I'd be lobbying to remove. I'd be that. so pit like whoever came up with that. Yeah. 
yeah, I'd be I'd be pretty pissed at them. <laughs> be like, but like, the look, reason why my laundry bill is so high? We'll wash all these. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, and then he wrestles on house shows. Like, how many of these does he have? And I mean, surely he's the fucking GM. He's Just be like, look, I'm not gonna wear this now. <laughs> yeah. Like, it wouldn't make sense. Like, if you when leave, you think of it from a competitor standpoint, yeah. I wouldn't want to be in restrictive clothing. <laughs> and if he loses at the weekend. Should he have a match? He'll just go back to wearing... Do you think he'll go back to wearing normal gear, or will he wear the same? I think he'll go back to wearing normal gear. Hopefully he wears a vest. Have we seen him wrestle in his wrestling gear with his shaved head? No, because his first appearance as a shaved head was when he became constable, or just right. after. Right. I do remember when he came out and everything. I was just like, what? <laughs> Bald. About time. <laughs> we had a brilliant comment on uh, Baron Corbin's face, didn't we? On Twitter the weekend. Well, not the weekend. It was the weekend. It was yesterday. It was yesterday. I can't remember who it was, but you said he has a very punchable face. And someone said even his hairline ran away. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was brilliant. Um, so, yeah. Baron Corbin, I think, for me, has improved in a few areas. Mainly in ring, but his character has really developed in a way that we didn't really know anything about him last year. We just knew he was a big guy who liked to beat people up and was a heel. That's about it. Hmm. Um, but now we've got some development. Like He's a bit power hungry. Let it all just go to his head. At the end of the day, I think what his character is, is he's just trying to impress Stephanie. And I think that's his character. Yeah. And, you know, that's more than we knew about him beforehand, so that's probably a good thing for him. I don't uh, think that's we've, I mean, more we've than seen, enough for now. We've seen him in a, you know, mainly against Finn Balor in a rivalry which seems to have lasted forever um, but we've seen him in some pretty high profile matches against high profile opposition and he wasn't really getting those opportunities like Kalisto sorry like Kalisto like Kalisto what do you mean I mean he had his rivalry against Kalisto a couple of years ago and had that surprisingly good chairs match do I remember that 2016, when like when they first did the brand split. I vaguely remember a chairs match actually. Because most of it. most of his storylines just like I'm big, you're small. Ah. I remember when he was in a rivalry against Sin Cara, which was weird. Oh yeah, that was the start of like this year, is it? Yeah. Oh, who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's been in pro- high profile matches against Finn Balor. He's been against six man matches against the Shield. Um, he wrestled yeah, Seth Rollins for the IC title. Roman Reigns as well, didn't he? Roman Reigns, yeah. Um, so, you know, a big year for Baron Corbin. And as much as people probably want to shit on it, I think he's, he's doing well for himself. Yeah. So that's probably a, a positive for him. I don't know how many people would agree that it's positive for the show in general. But I, 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 probably, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not. I prefer it when there is an Heel authority figure in charge. Yeah, I was literally just about to say that. I've always said that. I find Raw more interesting when you've got that. Yeah. Because it gives you instant baby faces. Exactly. All you got to do is... How do you make a face? Go against the authority. There you go. It, like, then you have... It's hard to make a heel authority thing last forever because the whole kind of the whole premise of heels is that they will get their comeuppance. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard to make it last, um, and you you don't want to have to go back to the world too often, which they're guilty of a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I, gen- I find it more interesting. Like, I thought things like twenty fourteen and fifteen was a good year. Um, 
mainly because the authority storylines are interested. It can get a bit like, oh, here's another shitty finish. Yeah. Because Big Show come down and punch someone during the main <laughs> event or something. But I thought, it was, especially when the, when Stephanie and Triple H first kind of took over in 2013 and they first established themselves as the authority, I thought that, and like, they had kind of the shield at their side. I thought that was really fun. Yeah. And well, I mean, look what it led to. I mean, it led to Daniel Bryan's big push. So that's obviously a big positive. It led to the split and the emergence of the Shield as singles. Yeah, exactly. I mean, without, I guess you could say, without the authority, you wouldn't have had Daniel the whole Yes movement. You wouldn't have had the Shield as a force as they were at single as well as as a as a team. Um, yeah, because the Shield were, uh, as soon as they kind of disassociated themselves from CM Punk. They sided with the authority, kind of did the the bidding of the authority in a way, and then turned and went against the authority, which made them instant uber baby faces. So, exactly. though just just being aligned with and then opposing the the authority made them instant main eventers. Yeah, and you know that's what WWE needed at the time, new main eventers because they just lost a few. Um, but yeah, I mean, I prefer it when there is an authority figure in charge. So I think Baron Corbin's doing a fine job. Um, the most entertaining and profitable time in the company history was with authority yeah, figures. I mean, you know, they, that's a formula that they can that they'll be following for you know a lot of the time until they can replicate that. Basically, <laughs> I'm no, I'm sure they will never ever replicate the success of that period, um, which is sad, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do prefer it when there's a hill authority figure in charge. And you're right; it does make baby faces a lot more easier than it does without one um because it's just easy to stack the odds like yeah we talk about baron corbin making matches like like handicap matches against the revival which for me doesn't really make any sense because the revival are supposedly heels i don't know if they yeah. are wrong. you would imagine baron corbin is like oh the lucha house party are small i don't like small people yeah <laughs> fuck small people yeah have the titles um so yeah that one, that one was a bit strange but then you know we've got him making handicap matches for aop against uh, Gabriel and Rude for instance and, and things like that so that's easy to do when you've got a face authority figure like Kurt Angle I think it, the only way it works is when you have someone like Stephanie who is above him who can you know usurp everything that he does yeah um, because you know she's a bitch in character not necessarily personally don't know the girl um, so I think that's the only way that really works well unless you're I mean, I mean got, currently we've got yeah. doing it well. We've got um, two baby face well. We've got a baby face and a Shane. <laughs> and I mean they're probably the exception rather than the rule, I think. Whether they're doing it. Well, I know we had we had Shane this. and Daniel Bryan went back when Shane was a proper out and out baby face. Yeah. And I mean they they've done it well for the last couple of years and I think they are the exception rather than the rule. But the thing is with Shane is that he gets himself involved. Yeah. Like it's so there is always it's kind of the opposite of the heel authority figures is, is that then you then have heels going against the baby face positive, um, authority figure yeah and that's and that's the only way it can really work on Smackdown um, and also I feel like Smackdown much you know has much more of an emphasis on the in-ring product um, so you don't really need involvement from the GM no. as much so Paige for instance it's the first time Paige has been on for weeks, I think. Sure. I was thinking earlier. Well, though. she was on the other week. She introduced Becky Lynch and, and she went away. Oh, she was in the ring with 
Asuka, Charlotte, and Becky. Oh, yeah, that was last week. Wasn't last it? week, yeah. Um, but yeah, she doesn't actually get involved that much. No. She doesn't have to because the, the competitors in the ring, and it's only a two hour show, uh, but the competitors in the ring are, you know, given time to actually show what they can do in the ring, you know, <laughs> not necessarily having too much external stuff going on. Um, so yeah, I just, I just prefer it with a heel authority figure. I think it works fine. Um, I can understand why people, especially in this day and age where we get a little bit twitchy and we want things to be how we want them and we want them to change quickly and but then we moan when things flip flop. People um, yeah, people want new things and then they do something new and then they go Oh no, I don't like it, I'm not interested. Yeah. But I think I can understand why people would get bored of the storyline, but I think it's an easy go to and it's it's gotta be easy to write for. Oh definitely, yeah. But I, I guess you could call that lazy. Um Yeah. Or you know, uncreative. But I would imagine it's the kind of thing that like you could use it as a means to an end. Yeah, I mean, it's so like it's we we, we don't necessarily have a plan for the the ownership of Raw for the next six months. So let's give it to a power hungry wrestler yeah. until we figure out who really should be the GM. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you have to look at it. You have to take it for what it is. It's a storyline that regardless of whether you trust WWE or not to deliver a brilliant storyline, it is a storyline and they have an end game. They may not know exactly what it is or when that end point is going to happen. They don't know what it is or when it's going to happen, but they have a storyline. <laughs> but they have, they do have a goal in mind with it. I believe you won't just you you don't just give control of Raw to Baron Corbin randomly, you know, about four or five months ago. Yeah, if if they did no reason, if they had no plan, then Kurt Angle would have not gone away. Exactly, Kurt Angle would. I mean, unless Kurt Angle had had to go away, I don't know. I don't know the. the in which case, like, I'm sure they, we would have just then seen more Stephanie. More Steph? Steph or, would have just taken the reins while he's gone. You know, Triple H or whatever. But, um, I mean, I forgot what I was going to say. You don't give it to a Baron Corbin without a plan? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't think... I don't think they give it to Baron Corbin without any sort of... At least small plan that says this is how or who dethrones him, um, and you know this is who takes over after, or we want this person to take over after, and we just have to wait it out. I mean, unfortunately, and this hasn't really happened in the past. That waiting it out period has coincided with some really really low ratings, and also attendance figures. Did you see? How much of Raw was blocked off? The whole yeah. upper tier was was the whole upper out. tier. Yeah, all the way around. All the way around. Jesus Christ! And even like partial of the middle tier, I think, was blocked off. Like that was bad. That was low attendance. I don't know how many people were in attendance at, um, in San Diego, but it was. So it's the time of year as well, isn't it? It was like yeah, it is the time of year. I think it's, this is all a, a, a pretty. That's what they always cocktail. That's what they always say. Right is it the last couple months of the year are always the kind of the drag and the the dry period? Well, you've got Monday night football, American football, not actual football, um, on at the same time, which they're trying to compete with. I've got a post show analysis of Raw from Jamie Carragher and <laughs> Gary Neville. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Just be like. Just have Jamie Carragher's being like, if you look at the angle of that dropkick, 
he really should have been higher. <laughs> That's a good act. That was quite good, <laughs> wasn't it? I was impressed. <laughs> you just have Gary Neville. I'm not going to try and do a Mac accent. You'd have Gary, Mev- Gary Neville just going, AJ yep. Styles, he's got no backbone. <laughs> I've said it for the last 30 years, he's got no backbone. I don't know what she <laughs> kicks out of the finish. It was a big moment in the match. <laughs> big moment. <laughs> <laughs> His, uh, his commentary as well oh! <laughs> he's kicked out of it unbelievable uh, I think we should petition to get Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher on WWE they don't have to do it live they can do it on Tuesday morning it's yeah, fine exactly. they don't have to do it at 4am um, that would be great um, but yeah where were we <laughs> <laughs> then you can have like the bit when they like they get people's questions on Twitter. <laughs> David Jones be like, "Who'd win in a fight, Jamie Carragher or Gary <laughs> Neville? What would your finisher be?" <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, where were we after that? Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher detour. Just pick find, a new subject. Trying to find positives, weren't we? Yeah, so I thought from Raw this week the. Um, one of the positives was the fact that the I Punch Becky Lynch and the face story doesn't seem to be getting over anymore yeah I mean people don't care anymore do they I mean but you can't be that one dimensional as a heel (laughs) you have to have other reasons for people to dislike you I broke her face I broke her face oh here's another reason to dislike me because I keep screaming (laughs) that must be really awkward being like we want like whenever you say the words my title, yeah. we want you just to scream my. Yeah. Why? What does that do? My. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Because she doesn't have an intimidating voice say. either. I know. She's you look so at her. She's six foot, three hundred pounds. She's like, hi, my name's Nia Jax. <laughs> and she's not like most girls. She is not like most girls. No. Because um, most of them can work. So a positive is a positive is that that doesn't seem to be getting as big a reaction as it was a few weeks ago so WWE hopefully will listen to that and go okay give us something else rather than the screaming not the screaming anything but the screaming um, what else is it? I mean for me I think even though the rivalry is, is not the greatest I think Elias and Lashley and Leo Rush is a positive for all I mean it's you know it's not barnstorming stuff but Elias is always it's good to see the uh, the emergence of Elias Elias as a baby face yeah Um, because I was kind of concerned when he first turned as to how it could work but he definitely can and I mean I don't know if you watched the the clip that I sent you the Buenos Aires one yeah Yeah. Um, all all he's got to do is just play a a well known song and just have the crowd sing along yeah and boom, instant babyface. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea what the song was, but it sounded amazing. It was an Argentinian rock song. Yeah. Um, I got, yeah, I got that. But, <laughs> but, but like, yeah. just hearing an entire arena full of Argentinians just going mental for it was great. And probably one of the biggest pluses of, you know, the whole year for me has been the emergence of Elias. Firstly as a heel and then as a face. Yeah. Um, I guess the only negative you could say with Elias is that he hasn't been given much in the way of opportunities. Yeah, he hasn't particularly won a whole lot. No, he hasn't. I mean, um, he's feuded with what, Finn Balor. I mean, he was in the Elimination Chamber. Yeah. I think. Yeah, he was. 
Um, he won a triple threat match between him, Braun Strowman, and John Cena. Oh yeah, that's true actually. Which is random. Um, <laughs> but he didn't wrestle. Up. He didn't have a scheduled match at WrestleMania. He had a prominent, like a fairly prominent role. Well, I say prominent role. He had a moment. He was in a moment. Um, a big moment. He got a good pop from us at MK11 during the Royal Rumble. (laughs) And at WrestleMania. Yeah. I I think I backed Elias to win the Royal Rumble as well. (laughs) No, you picked... um, I know, I I actually picked Nakamura. You picked Nakamura. I wanted Elias to win. Um, I was gutted. Gutted. I picked Balor when he walked out first. I was like, for fuck's sake. (laughs) He made it to the Final Four, though. He made it to the Final Four. Um... But yeah, I, I think Elias has been a big positive, and I think the fact that they've turned Elias from a, a heel into a really over face is another job and well it, done. And it's been very seamless. It, very seamless, it's, but it is a job well done. All it was was, and do you know where it stemmed from? One attack on Baron Corbin. Yeah, it did. Yes, that's that's the the power of like having the face turn. That's the power of having an effective, authoritative heel. Yeah. All he did was smack him with a guitar, and he's not the back. Yeah. Um, I can't really remember too much in the way of feuds for Elias throughout the year. I know I think he feuded with Braun Strowman because we had the whole massive guitar thing, which was a double bass, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, he had the thing with Strowman. He had the he did the thing with Cena. He had the incontinental match with Seth. Yes, he did. Yeah, when Seth had to cheat to beat him. Do you remember that? Yeah, pulled his tights, yeah. slash jeans. Um, what did he do at SummerSlam? Don't know if he was on it. I'm not sure if he was, you know. So yeah, I mean, there's been ups and downs for Elias. I mean, overall, his whole character has been great all year. He's released a fucking album. He's released an album. Actually, it's quite nice. And I, lo- and I love it. <laughs> it's in all four songs are in my 2018 top playlist on Spotify. <laughs> Although I do question the legitimacy yeah, of that list. So um, You're questioning my list. <laughs> no, my list. <laughs> but um. Match wise and then rivalry wise, yeah, maybe not a stellar, stellar year for a lighting ring, but you know, overall, very, very good. See what next year brings. Hopefully, a bit of title success or at least an opportunity. Get him in the money in the bank. Yeah, that was a, probably a good start, though. Is he a believable challenger to a champion? I don't know, but um, we'll see. But I'm, I'm excited for Elias as a face, uh, and because he's so over as a face, it means you know, if they choose to turn him. Instant heat. Exactly. That's how you do it. That's a formula they followed along for a lot of time, actually. You know, whether it be face to heel, back to face, instantly over, or you do heel to face, back to heel, instant heat. You just don't do it too quickly. I've <laughs> been guilty of a few times this year. Not yeah. Jacks particularly. Yeah, I mean, when you look at. Um, See if I can find the list, but the the list of people who have turned this year alone, mm. it's kind of stag- staggering, really. When you when you look at the actual like numbers, um, I give me a moment, a moment, and I'll mm. see if I can find it. Well, off the top of my head, I can think of think of a few. Obviously, we've just spoken about Elias. There we go. In the last few months, Bobby Lashley has turned, Elias has turned, Braun has turned, heel then face again, (laughs) 
Naya returned. Throughout 2018, so Naya started as a heel, aligned with Alexa. Then they had the whole rest of Then the turned face, won the title at Mania. Then turned heel against Ronda. Kinda. Kinda. Then turned face again to face Alexa. And has then turned heel a couple of months ago. <laughs> Ridiculous. She turned heel against Ember Moon, didn't she? And then yeah. in build up for her match with Ronda. Because she got a face promo after winning the Battle Royal, didn't she? Yeah. So yeah, she was definitely a face at that time. So Nia's turned a bunch of times. Becky's turned twice. Kind of. Charlotte's turned. Charlotte's turned. Carmella's turned. Brian's turned. Big Show's turned. Twice, apparently. <laughs> In about three weeks. <laughs> Ambrose's turned. Ambrose. Ziggler. Yeah. Miz, almost. That's all in the space of, I reckon, three or four months. Yeah. If that, three months. Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, yeah I suppose if you're including the whole year, then yeah, you got Nakamura. Big one for Shinsuke. Randy Orton. Yep. Pretty sure, yeah, he was a face at the start of the year. Um... Bray Wyatt. He started out heel, and then he was shooting oh, with Matt Hardy. The, yeah, after Matt Hardy stuff. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a lot of go. A lot is happening. Yeah. That's when people say, "Oh, it's boring. Nothing happens." I mean, like, yeah, fucking heel face turn almost every week at this rate. Yeah. But I think it's not always good. But it's not. That's the thing. It isn't always good. Um, but I think some of those are a bit hit and miss. But by and large, I think they've done pretty I think, well. I don't know if I've got it here now, but I think when when you look at the list of them, most of them have been pretty significant. Yeah. Becky's completely changed the SmackDown women's division. Yeah. Um, Nakamura, I think, was a good turn for him. Yeah. It's fizzled out a little bit. Braun's turn, although his turn and subsequent turn back weren't great, his, his heel turn was the main focus of Raw. Yeah. Um, along with Ziggler and McIntyre and then obviously Ziggler turning back recently it's been pretty big focus um, there was another significant one I was going to mention actually Ambrose and, yeah there's Ambrose which is obviously a big focus for her at the minute um, I can't remember who I was going to say now no I can't remember but it was fairly big Obviously. But I can't remember who it is. <laughs> um, that's annoying me now. I'll read them out again. Hold on. No, it wasn't on your list. Oh. Are you, are you thinking of like Johnny Gargano? No. But that's also a big one. Um, and Velveteen Dream. It? Who was it? Who was it? <laughs> on the main roster? Yeah. Or have I made something up? Probably you might be thinking of last year. It could be. Oh no, it was Rusev. What? Significant. Yeah, significant. He was the he was the hottest thing on SmackDown for a few months. Yeah, yes. but why? But they'd still booked him as a heel. Now he's a face. Yeah, and was he done since? <laughs> hey, English has died. But I mean, <laughs> he's not dead. <laughs> where the fuck is he? He's in Milwaukee, where all the great things happen. <laughs> He was at my live event. Was he? He came down to try and attack Rusev after Rusev and Lana competed against R-Truth and Carmella in a dance-off. <laughs> Fucking hell. It was meant to be a match it turned into a dance-off. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, I thought 
Rusev turning was a big thing. Mm. We'll see. It was a very slow turn because he just got over organically. It was the kind of thing where it'd be like, we're turning him, we're turning him, we're turning him, and then Aiden English would come out and be like, this town sucks. <laughs> and then they'd be like, yeah, yeah, he's a heel now. Oh, but no, we're turning him, we're turning... No. <laughs> um, so yeah, Rusev, you can add Rusev to your list. And Aiden English because he's then turned back as well. So, I guess. I guess. But aside from face and heel turns and, you know, I mean, Baron Corbin, we spoke a lot about him. The main focus on Raw, I think, at the minute, is definitely Seth Rollins. And that's a positive for Raw, because Seth is... Yeah, one of the positives from the entire 2018 is the emergence of Seth, for me... As the guy. As the top babyface in the company. Yeah. I know you've got AJ Styles, and you have Roman Reigns, who always divides opinion, but... And I'm sure if Matt was here, he'd be like, I oh, don't. But everyone loves Seth Rollins. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard. Down, it's hard to dislike Who the guy. Who like shouting burn it down as loud as they can? I can't wait for Mania. <laughs> That's the main I, was a bit, I was a bit self-conscious of trying it at Raw because <laughs> no one was making any noise. Right, about kid, ten kids or um, oh, I can't wait to do it on the Monday night. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. Um, just so like, he's going to get injured before Mania can't compete. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, like, when you look at the matches he's had and the crowd reactions he's getting, he's always been over and popular. Even when he was the champion as a heel, he was he was getting some of the bigger cheers. But and and his his babyface run of 2016 was all right. It was just kind of establishing him as like he's definitely a face because um, I suppose there were still maybe some people who were. Skeptic, yeah, um, skeptical, but yeah, I think you look at him now, and there's no denying the fact that he's he should be the face of the company for me, yeah. And I mean, I he's young enough, I mean, like, you could put AJ Styles as the face of the company, but the fact is, AJ Styles is like eight years older than Seth Rollins or something, yeah. So, I mean. I think they're positioning him in, the, in in that way um, as well, quite deliberately now. Um, because I feel, obviously, with Roman Reigns around, and obviously the circumstances surrounding his current absence are well documented and unfortunate and, and you know, very unpredictable. Um, but with in the absence of Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins is, has been allowed to flourish. In a way that he already was, but he is he's now the main focus yeah Seth was flourishing with Roman there but Roman was always top dog understandably I think the WWE wanted Roman as top dog and that's yeah. fine there was always um, oh here's, here's Seth to kick off the show and have a really good match but later on we got a main yeah, event featuring Roman Reigns the main event <laughs> <laughs> which is you know pretty symptomatic of what people are a little bit sick and tired of from WWE and I feel like as terrible as it sounds Roman having to go away could possibly be a good thing for them. Like, we don't know the circumstances around him, you know, his health and stuff, whether, whether he'll ever be able to come back. But what you can do is build stars in his absence, and he's a ready-made star when, he, if, when and if he comes back. So you're already adding a bunch of new stars all of a sudden into your main event scene. And Seth is the biggest 
I don't know if I don't know in the way of you know a lot of people talk about how much people draw. I don't know if Seth draws a lot of money. You could argue because the ratings are so low that he isn't drawing much money. But I need to give it a chance as Seth as the top as the top guy. Yeah, I Again. mean <clears throat> when when he's never look... really been the top guy. I mean I know he was champion. But he wasn't really He was never treated guy. like it. Still e- even then it was it was Roman, it was yeah. Cena, Roman and Cena, right, and Taker. So, I say it's very similar to AJ Styles' recent run. Mm. Like, very rarely the main event. Very, very rarely. Um, yeah, I mean, the way I look at it now is that they're kind of wasting time having just having having just having Lesnar as the champion, but the. The the way to determine the universal champion after Roman left should have been a tournament. Yeah. Um, having Brock as the champion, especially if Brock's got other UFC commitments, just seems like a massive waste of time. Because no, it's like you could be it's like they're they're so biding time in case I don't know Roman can come back at some point next year and then take it off reigns. But we've been seeing that for the last four years now. Mm. Give us something different. Well, it's We've... quite clear that a lot of people don't want to see that, and I don't, I don't care how like much WWE think it makes money. At the end of the day, if they're going to keep giving you a product that people don't want to see, it's not going to make money. Yeah, people will just stop watching. Yeah, the amount of people I see being like, oh, I haven't watched Raw, I haven't watched Raw in six, seven months. And now I look at their Twitters and they're literally tweeting about yeah. that. I, every time I see someone say that, I check out the Twitter account and see that they've been tweeting about it, saying like, oh, that match on Raw was rubbish this week. Well, how do you know? Yeah, you don't watch it. Um, I've watched it in months. But yeah, it will get to the it will get to the point eventually where people just be like, look, I saw this a couple of years ago mm. and nothing's changed and it's not as good as it was. So I'm turning off. Yeah, I think that's that's just the way it is. And unfortunately, I don't think WWE have been taught that lesson before because people have consistently kind of watched it. I know there was a bit of a fallow period. There's so many... It It's weird with WWE because there's so many fans who are kind of still fans in the hope that it will be as good as it used to be. Yeah. Not necessarily because they enjoy what's yeah. on now, well, but just because they want it to be what it was. Twitter and social media will tell you that. that. There's people who just do not enjoy watching it. And it's almost like, well, why don't you just stop then? If you hate it so much, yeah. just stop. Yeah, I literally saw, I saw that yesterday. They clearly don't hate it. They just want it to be better. Someone being like, I find, I find Raw unbearable. I'm don't watching them. <laughs> I mean... I think a lot of people there's I think there's two ways of looking at it. I think a lot of people what you're right look at it as a way of oh we're just desperately hoping for it to return to how good it used to be. And then there's a lot of people who are desperately hoping for it to be as good as it should be. And I think we probably fall into that camp a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, we we know it could be better based on the talent that they have. Cause I'm, I've definitely done it. I'm sure you probably have people being like Oh, do you, you still watch wrestling? Be like, yeah, but yeah, it's not as good as it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> do it all the time. I kind of just avoid talking about it. <laughs> I mean, like, if people ask me about the podcast or anything, people be like, oh, is it, like, is it good? And I'm like, mm, yeah. not really. Like, Why do you watch it? <laughs> I mean, it is, but we... I mean, it's, it's good, good to us. Market. Yeah. 
and I think we fall in, fall into that market. I understand why people are frustrated with it. Um, what I do feel like I've, as I'm becoming almost a minority wrestling fan, whereby I don't think I share the views and opinions of most of the people now. Yeah, I'm. Which is concerning for me. It it's hard, but I'm. I try to do what they want you to do by by just suspending your disbelief, just taking it for what it is, not worrying too much about something that's out of your control. Yeah. People exactly. get so wound up about... So wound up. About, I don't think I've ever really been that wound up by wrestling. No, I mean, I've I done things so like... involved and so emotionally, like, on that ride with them. I've never been wound up. Like, I've been annoyed at the ending of a pay-per-view, for instance, or the ending of a big match, or... I, I've been very disappointed with how things have turned out or how a match went or yeah. like I remember being really hyped for SummerSlam 2017 staying up for it taking a day off work staying up for it and it was just really boring <laughs> um, more for you so like, I get I get like that but I'll never just sit there and literally be shaking with rage while I'm typing on Twitter saying I want the Attitude Era back yeah or that I'm cancelling my network subscription Posting a screenshot of it. <laughs> yeah, because Roman won a match. Because <laughs> Roman won. Um, yeah, no, I've just never been that angered by by wrestling. I mean, I stopped watching it for a long time. But that wasn't because I was pissed off at it or I thought it was shit anymore. I just didn't find the time anymore to watch it. You thought you were too cool. That's what the reason was. I was too cool. <laughs> no, it wasn't cool enough for me. No, uh, I just didn't find the time. I mean, I got to an age of 18 where I had better things to do, which I think is fine. Like, fuck bitches and get money. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can understand people who want it to be better. And I can understand people being annoyed that it isn't better. But I also think that those people don't help themselves. The fans don't help themselves in a lot of ways because they refuse to give things time. They refuse to get behind who WWE... And it isn't a case of do do what you're told, because that's fine. If you don't want to cheer for something, you don't have to. But there are instances where people who have tried really, really hard and put on great matches, and fans will ref- refuse to acknowledge that, refuse to cheer them, just because it's not the cool, dumb thing to do. Yeah, it pisses me off, because now people are like... Like, oh, they're telling us to, to cheer for Ronda Rousey, therefore I'm going to boo Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Like, I just don't understand the logic. Then why are you booing Ronda Rousey? Like, what has she possibly done wrong? She's had a great start to her career. Yeah, she's a champion, but she's Ronda Rousey, she's going to be champion. <laughs> I'm sure you were expecting this. Yeah. I mean... I mean, what were they expecting? Were they expecting Ronda to come in as a jobber? To work her way up the ladder? All of this stuff's got me thinking about... Um, I wish I had it in front of me, but a, a couple months ago, or last month, WWE sent out a survey. I don't know if you saw. They sent out a survey to a whole bunch of people basically asking fans what needs to be fixed with the product. Mm. Um, there was a bunch of questions. Um, there was one of the things where they asked whether the fans believed the company focused too much on their corporate interests. Mm. Um, and then they also asked if they feel like storylines aren't given enough time to develop or if some wrestlers aren't given getting the coverage they deserve yeah. other ones were things like um, um, 
like do do fans want to see wrestlers talking off the cuff a bit more mm. um you know, if there if there aren't enough unique personalities or if the stars aren't as compelling as they used to be and if their current champions haven't earned their spots mm. um i suppose one of the one of the more interesting ones i think was that they asked if if fans think their pay-per-views are too long oh really yeah um so like they're asking like the jit questions which are like frequently talked about topics on the internet wrestling community. Yeah. Um, so it's obvious they're aware of these things, and they may potentially address them. They may do. They may choose not to. Um, I kind of hope that they don't do the one with the pay per view, like the pay per view length, because I'm going to one of them. <laughs> I want to get my money's worth. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, I. I I have taken a couple of the surveys that they've emailed out before, but no, I don't remember any of those questions coming up. Um, this is yeah, it was literally last month. So yeah, it's interesting. I've I mean, got them. I've never received any. I wonder how long it takes for them to actually get the results back and properly analyse them, and then think about changes to make. Because yeah, I, I suppose you have to think a lot of that, especially the the, the question about. Um, them spending too much time on company interest. A lot of that has got to be the fallout from like crown jewel. jewel and stuff like that. Yeah, which no, or just probably generally timed email, but general Saudi Arabia trips. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I think that's the climate we're in at the minute with wrestling fans. I mean, there are those who desperately want it to get better and are hoping that one day it will, so we'll continue to watch it. And then there are those who know it should be better, and we can see how they can make it better. And we just really want them to do that. Because I don't think there's masses like of, of huge changes that need to happen with Raw. I know that we went on a bit of fantasy booking spree last week. Um, but none of that stuff was major. I it mean, wasn't, it wasn't groundbreaking. We brought one person up from NXT. We just had normal matches. All we did was take the title off Brock. <laughs> and that was pretty much <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, then it got better. Um, and, you know, there aren't, there aren't a whole raft of changes that need to happen. I think there's a lot of little things that need to happen. Yeah, but you don't have it. to spend millions of dollars to do it as yeah. well. That's the thing. There's there's no real reason for them not to do it. I mean, it's it's a small thing. It's, it's the commentary for me. The commentary, I find it so tedious a lot of the time with Michael Cole. That I, sometimes I just physically cannot listen to him. And I, I don't hate Michael Cole. I mean, he's a legend of the commentary game in WWE. I hate the shit he's given. I, that's what I mean, and I mean it's so forced. I hate. So I, I I always forced. have hated the idea of it's. It's such a strange concept to me, of this weird kind of dictatorship in that like you must use these words and you have to say this in that order and you can't use that word because yeah, if you do, I'll kick you. Really, really piss people off. Like it must be such a weird environment to work in, being like. Like, what what would happen if um, backstage announcer accidentally used the word belt? Yeah. And why is that a problem? Yeah. Like fans use the word belt all the time. Yeah. So we want to hear. No, no one's gonna. Belt. No one's gonna instantly think. Oh, this this championship, this world heavyweight championship, is no longer important because someone described it as a belt. Yeah. They used to call it a strap all the time back <laughs> in the day. Yeah. It's always been known as a belt. I don't get the problem with it. Um, 
it's literally a belt around your waist. And those things that sort of things that get leaked, so you know that list of banned list of banned words, words and phrases, and phrases. And that sort of thing. That really doesn't help WWE's cause. But on the same and the same point, it's them who are making these stupid rules. Just really relinquish some control. Like, I, 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 I get the idea of of um, of banning particular phrases or words which can get you in trouble. So things like swear words or maybe yeah. not not using things that other companies use or trademark or whatever. Yeah, I get that. But the but being like um, like can't use pronouns. Yeah. Like how much extra thought does that make people think while they're trying to and come it, up with their promos and that's or why everything sounds so unnatural and forced yeah you, you have to think about every little thing that you're saying yeah it's very rare in promos these days and rarer with guys in general um that people sound just natural and conversational yeah guys like kevin owens and Sami Zayn and that do it well Jericho has always done it well but some of them just do like just be like there is no way that that person would ever say that yeah or like just think that fashion just like having to like having to say things like um like and then this Sunday on October 28th at the first the first ever WWE all women's pay-per-view WWE evolution like all of that is one like evolution on Sunday yeah exactly <laughs> But you have to say all of that so people yeah. know. Yeah. Or having to say, if something is the first time ever, or it's happening for the first time ever, you can't just reference that once or twice. Every single time you mention that thing, yeah. it you have to mention alongside of it. And alongside it was, same, it. it was the same for the World Cup. The World Cup to determine the best in the to world. To determine the best in the world. <laughs> Survivor Series, the one time of the year when Raw and SmackDown go head-to-head in competition. It's just absolutely mind-numbingly infuriating to to have to listen I, to I do Cole. I feel sorry for guys like Michael Cole and um and Tom Phillips it's not an easy job let's put it that way so you just have to it say the same things easier, all though. the time that's why like like JR always says that he just he, he wouldn't be able to do it these days because yeah. he he'd have to be focusing on so much shit yeah he wouldn't but, be able to concentrate on it um and it I don't think people quite realise um, the impact it has on things like the matches and the stories. Tell me about it. I mean, it's the same with sport as well. So with football, for instance, if there's a great goal scorer, the commentary after it is shit. I don't feel like it's as good a goal. <laughs> like it was completely irrelevant. That's why it yeah. actually adds so much to the enjoyment of the moment. Like for me, uh, we're getting into a kind of more niche department here. Um, but Martin Tyler's gone very much the way of Michael Cole recently. Yeah. Back in the day, I've always thought that the moment that Andy Gray left Sky Sports, Martin Tyler died. <laughs> Not literally, I just His enthusiasm seems to, yeah. though. Because back in the day, someone was caught, he'd lose his mind. Yeah. The, almost immediately after Andy Gray left, it'd be like, oh, and it's a good goal here. Someone would like whack in a volley from forty yards in the top corner. It'd be like, oh yeah, it's a brilliant finish. It's always it's his third goal in two games. His character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's what a lot of the commentary sounds like. It like although the commentary on two K nineteen is it? better this year, yeah. it's still very um, obvious script reading. Yeah, and that's what a lot of the actual Raw and SmackDown sounds like. 
And a, and a prime example recently, and I don't, I'm not blaming Corey for this because I know he gets fed this, but it's the last Sullivan um, bit. I skip these every single week. But yeah, being, being supposedly the, the most same thing, the most sought after, like cinder blocks oh. and shit like that. Like, just let him say something different. Even if you are going to script it, script it differently. Like, yeah, week. have a different thing every week. Cause the more dimensions you add to Last Sullivan, the more instantly the bigger he becomes. And why do you have to introduce the video package? Just play the video package. Yeah, That's, it just baffles me a lot of the time. The commentary is such a big thing. It adds so much to it. That's why JR was so good. Yeah, that's what. That's why people love, like, people love JR for the the kind of like, oh my gods and good god almighties and all that kind of stuff. But when I go back and and watch old pay per views, um, you listen to JR talking about, um, like, the effects that this hold will have on you, mm. like. Oh, this this hold will really cramp you up and prevent you from using this move later on in the match. Yeah. Nobody does that anymore. Corey Graves, every now and then does because he's the only one who's apart from Byron Saxton, but he was shit. Mm-hmm. He was the only one who's been in the ring. Yeah. Um, and Jr. who wasn't a wrestler could do that. Yeah. But no one else does, and it's like that's that's why. Like if JR wasn't the commentator throughout the Attitude Era, half the moments wouldn't have been as big as they were. I would agree. I would agree with that. All the shocking returns, or the Milkomania, or the beer truck. Austin winning at WrestleMania. Fucking the, the billion dollar princess has now become the Dairy Queen is one of my favourite <laughs> lines of all time. Yeah, I wonder if that was fed to him. I, I, can't, I don't think it would have been. It, sound, it sounds like maybe the kind of thing that he would have had in his mind anyway, yeah. but... That they just wouldn't come up with anything that good anymore. Yeah. Corey Graves is very good at doing off the cuff one liners. Yeah. Um, but he's not the. He just doesn't. The main guy is he? No. He doesn't get as much time on the mic. As and Jr. Guys. had personality. He just, he was combative. If people got in his face about things, yeah, or he, if he if, a, if he thought King was being a dick, he'd call King out for being a dick. He had Whereas Michael Cole's just like, like Corey Graves is going off on one, and Michael Cole's like, okay, now let's move on to talk about Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, it's just... We can probably talk about the commentary. This positivity episode has gone downhill. This positivity episode. Uh, Let's talk about SmackDown. Get back to that, just quickly on the commentary. For me, it's not a major change that needs to happen. I think you just need to relinquish some control. Let them commentate on the matches. Let Renee Young talk. Let Renee say something. Renee Young, the person, is a very charismatic, likeable, entertaining person. Yeah. From what you you can see on TV and interviews and online and all that kind of stuff. Just let her be that. Yeah. Let her actually say something of substance. Because rather than being a breath of fresh air and bringing a new perspective and stuff, they've instantly WWE'd her. Yeah. Yeah. They've roared her. Yeah. And not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> they've, like, they've toned her down and restricted her to just oohs. That's what she does now. Yeah, pretty much. Um... Gosh! I mean, even the little stuff with... Um, so, obviously, her relationship with Dean Ambrose has been brought up a little bit recently. Um, her reposts and her re- reactions to Corey mentioning it... Have started to get more and more... They're a bit more Renee. They're a bit more fiery. They're a bit less robotic. Um, I don't know. I, I don't speak to my husband. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit more personal. And that instantly makes it more enjoyable to listen to. Someone pointed out on Twitter this week, actually, they said, um, talking about the whole Baron Corbin stuff, 
said, hey, Renee, this would be the perfect time to bring up the fact that Baron Corbin and Corey Graves are best friends in real life, so Corey must know what Corbin's thinking and what Corbin has up his sleeve. <laughs> That's a very good point. And, uh, you know, a little bit more of that fire from Renee, if she was allowed to do I, it. I would just like, like, could you imagine? Like, because, you know, the other week they got they got kind of heated, didn't they? Yeah, and she said, Michael she said had how to step dare in. you? Like, imagine a segment where he's kind of going on about that. And Renee just slaps him and takes her headset and yeah, walks off. Storms off, yeah. And then maybe later on, like, later on in the show, comes back and uh, says sorry to the audience, or just doesn't even come back for the rest of the week. Yeah, like stuff like that instantly is interesting and cool. And I remember, and we, well, I hate to harp on about the attitude here, but a lot of the best stuff actually involved Jr. Yeah, like he was an ally to Austin for most of Austin's WWE career. Like, The Undertaker turned heel on JR. on JR. Imagine someone turning heel on Michael Cole. Taz. You turned face if she exactly. attacked Michael Cole. Braun Strowman carried Michael Cole across the stage, and yeah. I fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah, Brock Bro- Lesnar's F5'd him out, out of his shoes. <laughs> but, like, like, you could do that to Mauro, and people would feel bad. Yeah. People would get heat. Yeah. Um, I think... I don't think you could do it to anyone else. I don't think Tom Phillips would get that reaction. Like, yeah, because Tom Phillips, although I like him and he is yeah. good at his job, he's he's just bland. He's not a babyface. He's not yeah. a heel. He's, he's what he's meant to be. But yeah, like like Taz, Taz got a SummerSlam match out of the fact that he was talking about shit about Jr. Yeah, I. He just like I can't I can't imagine if anyone was too bad bad talk um, Cole but I can't imagine Corey Graves would stand up for him no and I mean because I mean, although they had differences in that they were kind of one was a baby face and one was a heel with Lawler and King Lawler and JR they stood if, up for if, each other. if someone was coming for JR Lawler stood up for him yeah um, so yeah they're, they're just missing a lot with commentary they're missing the trick definitely missing a trick uh, and I don't I don't believe it's actually that much better on Smackdown either um, but Smackdown has a lot more going for it so that it doesn't actually yeah Smackdown I've said it before Smackdown has the feel of three guys of a similar age who are friends in real life yeah and up until the introduction of Renee Young Raw was just three guys three random three guys really. of three different ages yeah so One with masses of in-ring experience if we're talking about Booker T I was talking about coach coach so, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know one with yeah then, then then when you've got guys Corey. like Booker T and Corey then you've got a conflict of now you've got two ex-wrestlers yeah I think the whole three man commentary is too much really I don't know how it could work these days without it though because there's so much they have to talk about yeah that's true you get bored of hearing two people I guess but I mean, we only really hear from Renee every half an hour anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and from Byron, all you ever hear is him talking shit about pancakes or just being like, <laughs> he does it all the time. Or Corey says, this is egregious every week. Whatever that is. <laughs> I was watching Ride Along this week from last month and it was Renee, Corey and Naya. And... Um, Naya did like Rene was driving and Corey was in the front and Naya did like how well do you two know each other kind of thing Mm. Um, and it was like um, 
what's a word that Corey Graves uses all the time? And he wrote down absolutely. And she said, oh, it's got to be egregious. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then it played a bunch of clips from 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 WWE TV. And it's just like, egregious, this is egregious, this is egregious, or whatever. And then he was like, no, it's absolutely. So then it was like, that was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. And then the last one was, this is absolutely egregious. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like it's true. He literally says it all the time. Say it all the time, yeah. And he seems to say on SmackDown. <laughs> I don't really know what the problem is with Raw that, but maybe Raw just isn't egregious. I don't even know what egregious means. No idea. It's very rare. I can now predict when he's going to say that though. Yeah. Whenever I see someone having fun, yeah, it's therefore going to be egregious. Jose, for instance, um, or like No Way Jose, for instance. Mm. Um, but that's an, that also brings me on to another point I want to make. Jr. The difference between JR and Michael Cole, the biggest difference to me, is that when something was shit, JR was quite sarcastic about it. Yeah. And quite openly was like, well, folks, <laughs> this, is really, this is really going <laughs> to drive the ratings up. <laughs> Whereas Michael Cole has to, like. Oh, he's so, he's so fun to watch. Yeah. Fuck I mean, off. there's been an occasional. Like, Michael Cole has done that, but he's done it in the wrong places. He did it with the whole. Um, Burying the whole. Thing. Yeah, that. that. Stuff like that is not what you want to bury. No. You want to bury a shit thing like No Way Jose. And I like when when you hear the commentators laughing yeah. or being a bit like Be a bit more yeah, human. That was that was good. But yeah, it's just It's tough to listen to at times. Tough to listen to. And as as I was saying, I don't believe SmackDown from a commentary point of view is that much better. But there are so many more positives on it um, that we could probably talk about now rather than, you know, focus on negatives because this was meant to be a positive episode. Um, so SmackDown positive, for instance. The in-ring action is smoother, crisper, quicker. It's just seems even more urgency about SmackDown. Yeah, there's urgency. And you know what? It's two hours long. And everything on... It, it seems, anyway, most mostly everything on SmackDown has a purpose and... Has intent. There isn't a lot of filler on SmackDown. No, nothing happens for the sake of happening. There's some, but there isn't a lot. Overall, there's you could probably write off a whole hour from just pure filler that doesn't contribute in any sh- way, shape, or form to anything. Yeah, I mean, the the like it has downsides of t- some guys don't appear for months, but yeah, it has good downside. sides in that if someone's appearing, likelihood is it's because they've got a story, or they're doing something interesting that you want to watch. Yeah, I mean, think of the stories that we had on SmackDown this week. So, for running throughout SmackDown recently, we've had the Miz and Shane story. We've got the Daniel Bryan story. You can add AJ Styles into that. We've got the Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy story now. And we've got a, a Rusev Nakamura story running through it. And we've got, Plus a, we've got the women's... Charlotte and Asuka story running through it. And the Usos New Day in the Bar story running through it. Yeah. With Raw... I mean, we had a match between Bailey and Alicia Fox. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a mixed match, challenge match coming up between them. But no one really watches that. And, you know, what was the Mixed match challenge match? only ever gets seen to mention on Raw. Yeah, that's mad. I've, I've never heard it mentioned on SmackDown. There because there's no time. teams left in it. <laughs> that's true now, yeah. Um, you know, and, and we had Ember Moon versus Tamina. And... The end of the day, the fuse between Ronda Rousey and, and Nia Jax. So, what was the point in that match? Mm. And it's, I mean, 
There just aren't a lot of stories running through. I mean, there's probably the same amount of stories running through a two-hour episode of SmackDown than there is as a three-hour episode of Raw. So why, you know, why aren't there more actual storylines running through Raw in those three hours, you know? Every match should mean something. Yeah. Even if it's just to start a storyline or to, you know, start you on that journey towards starting. Because when, when, you, when, you, when you think about wrestling, it's competition, right? So the only reasons you should be wrestling someone... That was amazing. <laughs> the only reasons you should be wrestling someone is if you've got a personal problem with them. Or you want or, to be better. Than them, or sure. you're, you're fighting to get towards a championship, which you would imagine would happen by winning matches consistently. Yeah. Or you want to beat someone for a championship. Yeah. Uh, they're the reasons you should be fighting someone, not just because you've, you're scheduled in a match for no reason. Yeah, or you happen to like run into them backstage and they said something to you didn't like. There needs to be more, um, not necessarily consistency, but if if you if you're booking someone to keep winning matches, that th- means something. Yeah, and you can't have someone to keep losing a match and then win one like losing three or four matches in a row, winning one match and getting a title shot. Yeah, that's not how things work. Shouldn't be how things work. So. There needs to be more like logic behind how you push people, when you push people, that all that stuff. Yeah, logic, <laughs> logic in general <laughs> yeah. is a big thing, and I feel like SmackDown has that, but I feel like it does suffer in some ways. Um, like for instance, Nakamura is a big has been a big disappointment in many people's eyes um, for the past few months. Especially after the AJ feud ended. Yeah. Um, he just seems to have disappeared. Just like He won the title and then he's literally done nothing since of any real relevance. Exactly. He's not really even defended it. His, right? his highlight has come from a Survivor Series match against Rollins. Yeah. Which was meaningless. Completely meaningless. But was good. Um, but yeah, so he's been a big disappointment for instance. He, has he won many matches for the last six months? I can't think of that many. No, I mean, he beat Hardy in about six seconds, well, didn't yeah, he? Won the belt. I don't know, that's the last match I can remember him having before Survivor Series. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he lost that was against Summer um, Rey Mysterio. Oh, yeah. And that's, was that pretty much... <laughs> he didn't have that match against Russo, but he attacked him before. He got beat. He got pinned this week. And you you know, think this he, had, he had a thing against... He had a match against Ty Dillinger, I think. Did he? Yeah, I think he did, actually, yeah. But, it, you know, this is a guy who was a challenger for the WWE title. This is the man who won the Royal fucking won Rumble. Won the Royal Rumble, yeah. Forget about that. You know, and, he, he's... and we all lost our minds. We were like, yes, can't believe it. This is amazing. It wasn't Roman Reigns. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, that was the main aspect. I'm not sure it was a yes, it was Shinsuke. But, um, yeah, he, this is a guy who won the Royal Rumble, challenged for the WWE title at WrestleMania, turned heel in one of the biggest moments of WrestleMania. And turned heel on the biggest baby was... face on Wrestlemania and that's completely just gone off a cliff um, and him because... losing like four times to AJ didn't help yeah that definitely didn't help um, and, it, and it brings me back to my point like those losses should mean something like in Shinsuke's story if he's going to lose all the time to people should be that you know he's losing he's on a losing run and you know things aren't going well for him Make that a storyline. Don't yeah. just then randomly have him in a US title match and then have him win it. 
and then never defend it. Because that just doesn't make any sense. Where's the logic behind that booking? Hmm. No, I don't get it. Um, so SmackDown certainly isn't faultless in any way, shape or form. But it's only better at stuff than Raw is. Um, so, I mean, personally, I'm loving the new Daniel Bryan. Yep. I think that was an unexpected... That was another um, thing where... All... We didn't know we wanted, but <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> that was another thing where I was kind of concerned by it. Um, because outside of AJ Styles, and I suppose Jeff Hardy, who's yeah. who else is the big baby face? I know you got Ray, but I mean, like realistically, how long or how far are they going to push him? Yeah. Um, so I was a bit worried, um, but at the same time, it was like the Daniel Bryan we were seeing towards like in the first part of 2018. Well, for the main of 2018, this is the same Daniel Bryan that we saw in 2014. Yeah. There wasn't any differences, really. Um, and I knew that he could do a heel character based off what we'd seen before, but I didn't know what the heel character was going to be because it, it, I didn't want him to come out doing the whole no thing yeah, because that instantly just, rehash, just sets right? him back to 2012. Yeah. So like it, it's, it's smart as well in that everyone hates a... Um, <laughs> Environmental pretentious that's the word I'm yeah, thinking yeah. everyone hates a pretentious twat yeah the only problem is and I sent you this the other day <laughs> the the biggest the biggest heels in WWE at the moment are people like Daniel Bryan who's spreading environmental awareness Samoa Joe Samoa Joe Samoa who's responsible drinking, responsible drinking. Um, Drew McIntyre who just wants a better Raw <laughs> He just wants everyone to be better, which I think is fair. Strong worth ethic, work ethic. Here we go, yeah. Daniel Bro- uh, Drew McIntyre, strong worth e- work ethic. Baron Corbin delegates authority to women. <laughs> Daniel Bryan promotes environmental conservation. Dean Ambrose gets vaccinated. Responsible drinking advocate, Samoa Joe. The Revival, who want fair wrestling matches. Jinder Mahal, who seeks inner peace. Shinsuke Nakamura, an American patriot. <laughs> I saw someone's response to that, which was pretty good, in that um, they like shot that down and said, like, um, like alternative views on those the, those heels characters, basically. And you no, know, I kind of see from both sides, where I think, you know, Daniel Bryan is an environmentalist, but he's a he's a he's a mental environmentalist. Yeah, he's a he's an activist. Fickle. Nobody likes activists. Fickle. Um, Samoa Joe. Samoa <laughs> Joe is someone who crosses the line. Yeah. Uh, Drew McIntyre is disrespectful. That when, sort of thing. That's the thing. When um, like when they're talking about Samoa Joe this week, By- Byron in particular and, and Corey were talking about Samoa Joe, and um, Corey Graves was saying like, um, like By- Byron said something like uh, Samoa Joe is jealous because. Jeff Hardy's reached the pinnacle. He's had the championships that Samoa Joe's never had. Yeah. And he's taken umbrage with it. And Corey Graves was like, um, what is, what's the problem with Samoa Joe taking umbrage with that? Like, his competition yeah. at the end of the day. And Byron said, what would you rather have? Um, a Samoa Joe who um, just tears down his opponents and is really rude and aggressive or a Samoa Joe who's successful in the ring? And Corey Graves didn't really say anything. And in my head, I was like, I wish he'd have just said both. Yeah. Because <laughs> that way, you then have a character who's really 
rude and aggressive and comes at you uh, verbally, but also is successful in the ring because that's what we don't see with Samoa Joe because he yeah. never wins. Yeah, I mean, I think Samoa Joe is another one where they've slightly missed a trip, but I feel like they. Well, Samoa Joe. They just need to flick a switch for Samoa Joe. Yeah, Samoa Joe is easy to fix. Yeah. They did a very good job over this summer. Yeah. Of making incredible again. And I think a feud with Jeff Hardy is because like all, all all they had to do when he was feuding with Lesnar, he he went in like. He, he unexpectedly won a five-way to become number one contender. Mm. He comes out and chokes out Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Done. That's it. He's now a credible threat. Yeah. So stuff like that. It's, it's with someone like Samojo, it's very easy to fix. Definitely, yeah. I think Samojo is... All that, like, they, they, went, they were going into their SummerSlam match cold because it only got booked about two weeks beforehand. Yeah. Comes out and says stuff about AJ's family. Boom. Hottest food on SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, I think this would be his character for, for a little while. You know, he, he goes too far. Like, he takes things to a personal level where... For too long in WWE, people have sort of shied away from those sorts of storylines, I think. Trying to mention people's personal lives. Trying to keep everything separate. Mm. Whereas, you know, the best storylines are when there is an element of truth to stuff. So Jeff Hardy's previous addictions and, and problems with alcohol and drugs. I'm sorry, but that's one thing that you would bring up if you were an opponent of his. If you wanted to get under his skin. Exactly. You'd, you'd mention that. <laughs> While we're on that particular subject... I want to get your opinion on some stuff. Wrestling related? Or? Wrestling related. <laughs> um, I think you're you're very much like me. In I'd, I'd see that as that's a compliment to you. Um, in a sense that you you can clearly define in your mind what's a story and what's real mm. and um what you should and shouldn't be kind of offended by. So what I'm talking about specifically or with some examples are things like um, the Natty and um, Ruby Riot stuff. Um, Things like Dean Ambrose mentioning Roman Reigns' leukaemia. People, people's insistence of things going too far these days. They're wanting edgy, edgy content, and then they get edgy content and say it's too far. So, like, what's your opinion on that kind of stuff? I like it all. Me too. I mean, I don't think you can you can get enough of that. Like, it, depe- it depends on how you do it. If you're going out, being like, ha ha ha, your dad's dead, your dad was a dick, yeah. I hate your dad because your dad is dead. Then that's a bit bad. Yeah, don't do it in a childish, like, immature way. Do it in a threatening... Yeah, don't like, be like, my dad's dip. still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, you uh, can... I've got a th- two parents. What what I, what I think people... Um, people don't seem to realise, and I'm not on the inside, so I don't know this for, for a fact, but I'm pretty certain that um, things like this wouldn't be said without the recipients consent yeah so they wouldn't be like oh natty we want to do a um a storyline on your recently deceased father (laughs) and she's like no i don't want to do that and they're like well we're doing it same with roman reigns i'm sure they would have asked hey is it all right if we if we let dean say something about this yeah exactly it's not like he's actually said anything that yeah, defensive. If I, 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 I personally loved the way that Dean worded it. The whole kind of um, 
like the story that the shield are actually bad people and they're all paying for their sins now and Roman's answering to the, the man upstairs yeah. um, whereas Seth got an answer to Dean Yeah, I think that's brilliant I mean it was a little bit Glenn Hoddle-esque <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably another niche reference <laughs> but um, yeah no it won't be without Roman's concern I'm sure of it and I think Roman's man enough to, to, to acknowledge that you know it, this is a major major story not storyline his real personal life is a major story for WWE so it would make sense for them to be able to use it. And all, all that does as well, because they say it's the reality era. Yeah. And all that does as That's well reality. is instantly gives, um, should Roman ever come back, instantly gives him a story with Dean. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I think you're right, I'm the same as you. I, so like, I like this stuff. Now they're doing it with it. Samoa Joe and Jeff Hardy. They kind of done it with Samoa Joe and AJ Styles but in a lot more of a fabricated story yeah um, we're assuming that letter may have been from Wendy <laughs> she may actually have written that letter yeah um, but yeah like, there's there's been other examples recently what are the other examples of them bringing like reality into things and people saying it's too too much like <laughs> things like Ronda Rousey's line on Nikki Bella yeah that slut shaming incident um Rusev in English. Well, I guess that was no one was saying on the too thing. far, but yeah, they sort of brought the personalised into it. Um, yeah, I mean, it it always adds something to a story for me. Yeah, I mean, it's always and it's the exact kind of shit that you, you were, used to see all the time. Yeah, and if you were a dick, as heels are supposed to be, that it, is the sort of thing you'd bring up. Like it reminds me of back in school days. Mm. There's always be that one dick. Who would just say shit that like, like you probably shouldn't say, mm. and it instantly makes people dislike you. Yeah, but there was always that one guy. Yeah, and what makes what's going to make you what's going to make people dislike you even more is if you say that sort of shit and then you back it up in the ring. Exactly. Like we're, I say we, they're in the business of good guys and bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know like you have to be you have to give people a reason to dislike you it can't just be I'm facing the guy you like therefore you should dislike me because yeah. as soon as you're not facing that guy no one cares about you anymore exactly um, so oh, well, I'm trying to think of another one, one more example I had from recently I can't remember what it was now I feel like it was from this week. This week? No, I can't remember. But yeah, like, it frustrates me because people say they want edgy content and all that kind of stuff. And they get it and can't handle it. Yeah. But, I mean, is that symptomatic of a society change, shifting yeah, people's values and, and opinions? Because I think this is, I, I've thought this recently for the last few years, just about everything in general, is there seems to now be, like, people now want to be the victim. Yeah. People want to let people know that they're the victim of something when nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. So now it's, I, be, it's letting everybody know that you're offended by a storyline. 
has now become the norm. Yeah, but why Whereas do we need in to know? Previously, you would go, oh, I don't like that storyline. I'm not going to watch. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm going to mute. Or I'm going to skip when this bit's on. I think if, pe- if people put a lot more effort into thinking about the storylines and why things have been said uh, and less effort into moaning about being offended by stuff, they would enjoy it so much more. Yeah, if you actually listen to what is being said and why it's being said. Yeah. I think that's just something that wrestling fans in general these days can take away, is that, you know, yeah, WWE aren't always going to be perfect, they're not always going to be right, and they're not always going to do things how you want them to do them. But they're doing them for a reason. Yeah, because so I mean, let like, them show you that reason. Because I mean, offended by it. It's fucking wrestling. When when you think Nikki Bella and Ronda, for example, the Bellas were talking trash about Ronda. Yeah. And therefore, Ronda talks trash back by giving a line. Like she was, in, that, she was. Ron, Nikki saying that Ronda's mum was ashamed of her. That was the week after. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, like. Ronda's saying that she didn't say all she said was you the same way you knocked down the doors to John Cena's bedroom or yeah. something she didn't say anything like you're only with John Cena so you could do this or whatever mm. yeah or like you she didn't call her a slut or anything she was she, she was talking trash because she was getting trash talked mm. by the bellas the same way that you would if someone was arguing with you on the, the, the on the street, exactly, yeah, I think perfectly legitimate comeback. Yeah, people were too easily offended, but then that's that's, that's a whole world thing. I don't think that's specific to wrestling these days. And even people got offended by what Becky said to Edge about not hurting your neck on the way out. That was another one. Yeah, like it's it's not your neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your neck. And again, don't get offended by it. Becky wouldn't have said it if Edge didn't go. Yeah, that's cool. Moral of the story is people are too easily offended and they need to get over themselves. It's just wrestling. Enjoy it. Stop marrying It's about fake. It. <laughs> I mean, don't use that word. It's, but the stories aren't. They're stories. Yes. If you if someone on EastEnders said, oh, don't hurt your neck on your way out, like to an act, I guess it's like different. They didn't bring the actors' personal lives into it, but like no one would complain. If you get some twins saying, I wish you died in the womb. <laughs> Um, so it was bad acting. Positives. That's what we were doing, wasn't it? Uh, Smackdown Live then. So Mustafa Ali was on Smackdown Live this week. Your namesake. Mustafa is. Daniel Bryan, the WWE champion. The new Daniel Bryan. And this was a positive because I like how WWE just randomly bringing people in like for fairly marquee moments. Yeah, people like, like Mustafa Ali, who um, this wasn't who, like clearly a star in the making. This wasn't Shinsuke Nakamura, US title level. Yeah, exactly. This is the world champion, Daniel Bryan. Yeah, big big moment for Mustafa Ali. Match was really good, <coughs> which I think we it did everything it needed to do to show you what Mustafa Ali's about. Yeah, he got a lot of his shit in. Yeah, got all his shit in, um, and then you know it's it's a very it's a well-told story um, throughout history of WWE. Have the veteran talking down to young, the new guy. Young upstart um, shows some balls and stands up to a veteran. And one thing the comment takes the veteran all the way, makes one mistake, and then they lose. Sort yeah. Of thing. And one thing the commentary did well was um, 
oh, Ali and Brian actually met at a show in 2009 and Ali carried Brian's bags in or whatever. Yeah. Um, but this isn't the same Brian or whatever. I thought that was quite good. Yeah. Um, the one, one thing of note, which I don't know if you've noticed this, the yes lock mm. was the, um, how do we describe it? It would it would bring down forces of evil, let's say. So it vanquished Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens from SmackDown. Yeah. Helped him win titles and keep titles and helped him beat the likes of Big Cass and that. Yeah. Since Daniel Bryan himself has turned evil, he didn't win at Survivor Series using the S-lock. Mustafa Ali got out of the S-lock. Mm-hmm. It's like the S-lock has lost its power. power. Because the good intentions are no longer behind it. Yeah. It's now about the heel hook. Which, he first started using that when he was going against Big Cass. And I thought we were going to get a more aggressive Daniel Bryan, which we did for a little bit. But then yeah. that tailed off. Um, but I like this. I don't know how noticeable it actually is. But when you sit and think about it, the S-lock doesn't actually no longer seem like a finisher. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, well, how did he beat Mustafa Ali? With week? the heel hook. With the heel hook, yeah. I think, yeah, that's a really good point. Never really noticed it. I don't think it's particularly evident, but it's those little subtleties that I know. And I mean, it's the kind of move where all he's got to do is um, win one match with it. It's finisher again. Yeah. The same way in that, like, AJ Styles has phenomenal forearm, the Styles clash, the oh, calf. calf crusher. So he's got three ways of beating you. Yeah. So all it does is you give Daniel Bryan the knee, you give him the heel hook, and you give him yes lock, and he's... It's always it's been like that with John Cena as well. He, he would beat people with an STF, STFU, as well as the attitude adjustment. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's always better to have that. I mean, even Undertaker has had many different ways of doing it. He's had the Tombstone, the choke slam, the Last Ride, the, the, Hell's, tra- the Hell's Gate. Yeah. Choke slam. <laughs> I said that one. How did you? It's the first one. Tombstone is the first one to say. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's always a good way. It's always a good thing to have a heel or actually any character who can beat you in multiple ways because um, it adds an element of surprise to a match. But like you never know when the match is actually going to finish. When you've got one finisher, you kind of think, right, well, that's when the match is over. Yeah. But if you've got three, <laughs> especially one the, don't work. The kind that can come out of nowhere as well. Yeah, like the knee, for instance. Yeah. And even the yes lock to a certain extent. That seems sometimes come out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, Mustafa Ali versus Daniel Bryan, back to that then. I think, you're right, I think it did it did everything it needed to do for Mustafa Ali and it also did did wonders for Daniel Bryan because, you know, this is obviously a match Daniel Bryan was going to win. Like, yeah. he wasn't going to lose to Mustafa Ali um, and he could be a dick to someone like Mustafa Ali uh, and further his heel character and you without can t- having to get involved with AJ. And you can tell that Daniel Bryan is having a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, that really helps. Fickle! <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> I mean, that really helps when you can see someone's having fun with their character, then you become a little bit more invested in it. Yeah. It's definitely more believable. Because like, you could even see, when there were chance of Daniel sucks, Daniel sucks, you could see a little smirk on his face. Well, that's what I mean. his character would the, smile at that's anyway. That's... The, the exact thing which I never thought I would hear. Yeah, exactly. 
It's pretty crazy if you think about it from about six months ago. Even actually probably longer than that, eight months ago. WrestleMania time. You know, yeah. Dan Brown's just about been announced to come back and now we're booing the fuck out of him. <laughs> well, I'm not. That's good. Everybody's done their job great, right? Yeah. And I like the... It, it's not It's not just um, I don't like you people anymore. Yeah. It's... Um, you people have already moved on. Yeah. Like, you moved on before I even turned heel, so... Yeah, you moved on to AJ Styles. You, didn't, you obviously didn't care about me as much, so therefore I don't care about you. Yeah. Um. So the other one, I guess the main the main storyline on SmackDown Live at the minute is is to do with the women. Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and and Asuka will be going head to head in a first ever Triple Threat TLC match. Don't let you forget it. Um. So this is a good story. This first is ever a women's major, Triple Threat match. Positive. I think there was a men's one. I don't know about I, I don't think, know about Triple Threat TLC matches. I think there I was ones, but. I think there was Punk, Del Rio and Miz Maybe. I think at TLC in like 2011 or something mm. um, so yeah so I think that's why they're specifying women's mm. um, but other than that I can't think of any Triple Threat TLC matches this whole situation has been a major positive over the last few weeks hasn't it yeah it has and did you know um, as of yesterday afternoon Dean Ambrose and Asuka are heavy favourites in the bookies' odds. Really? Yeah. Random. I can see Dean Ambrose. Yeah, I can see Ambrose. And people's like... I don't think Asuka will. I mean, I'm using the old school logic of shit where she got the upper hand on the, at the end of SmackDown. Yeah. So she won't be winning at the pay-per-view, but I don't know how viable that is. I was going to share with you a really dumb tweet uh, that I saw the other day to do with this this triple threat. And it was, um, you know, when you see wrestling fans and you just read what they're saying, we listen to what they're saying, and just think like, oh, "You're the kind of wrestling fan I don't like." <laughs> yeah. Here we go. So, um, someone said, "Who do you want to see win the first ever women's TRC match?" Um, and someone said, uh, "I want Charlotte to win." And this other person went. No, someone said, I want Becky to win, but it's obvious Charlotte's going to win because she's a flair and they're going to want her to break the record and all that kind of stuff. So I went, really? So they put Oscar in for nothing. Then again, who knows? And he responded, in all honesty, I think Oscar will take the pin due to Becky's concussion. Don't want to risk her. I think Charlotte will win. Then Becky wins the Rumble and faces Ronda at Mania. First of all, it's a TLC match. There no pins. Where you climb a ladder. And they wouldn't want to risk Becky taking the pin due to her concussion but they'll put her in a TL fucking they'll put her in the rest of the match yeah. but you can't have her take the least impactful part of the match in the pinfall in case like because of her concussion yeah. what the fuck kind of stupid point is that it's, stupid, it's one of the dumbest point. things I've ever heard you should name have you ever watched wrestling bro <laughs> do you even watch though um, yeah so anyway back to the actual action um, the whole, me off. <laughs> <can tell>. the <laughs> whole Becky Lynch thing has been obviously a massive, massive plus. I think Charlotte, as a face, had her plus points, but I think she's much better as a heel. Um, she's still, I'm still very, a little bit confused by the whole face heel dynamic on. in this in this area. But I think this this has been so good; it doesn't really matter to me. 
who's face and who's heel. I feel like Becky is heel still, but like the fans love her so much that she isn't full heel. It just gets to the point where they can't like fully acknowledge her as a heel. Yeah, I mean, and even Corey was a bit like slating her a little bit this week. She's too cocky. She's too cocky and she's going to lose her title and stuff. I feel like Charlotte is the heel now. I was gonna, really... I was gonna ask you this after Survivor Series, but I never did. Do, do you think the ending to Charlotte and Ronda would have been the same if it was Becky? Um, I think, based purely from what happened on the SmackDown following, I think it would have been, because it was like they went shit. Becky's out for a bit. Let's make Charlotte the leather jacket wearing badass who beats up people. I feel like that would have been the ending if Becky was in the match. Yeah, I feel like it probably would have been as well, actually, now you say it. Because I, I don't, I, I couldn't have foreseen Becky winning. Maybe they wouldn't have fined her a hundred grand, because <laughs> she, she doesn't look like she has the kind of money that Charlotte does. That's so random. There's so much money. That's a lot of money. She attacked five referees, which means each one of them is worth 20 grand. Yeah. Bullshit, mate. Um, but yeah, I mean, it probably would have done. I guess you're right. I don't think there was any need to change the story if that was how they booked it, to be honest. I couldn't have seen Becky beating Ronda. No. So, and I, I didn't really want... And I can see why they wouldn't have wanted Becky to lose to Ronda clean. So this would have been the perfect way anyway. So, yeah, I think it makes sense. I think both of them have got... Like, you could use the same storyline for both of them against Ronda Rousey in that situation. Mm. I think it does make sense, yeah, you're right. Um, nice to see Asuka back in the main event scene for the women, because... You know, a long time she's been floundering since WrestleMania, essentially. Basically. Um, since, well, since the return of James Ellsworth. <laughs> yeah, God. Um, and nice to see her actually being a threat as well, not being like the whipping. She's not the afterthought. Yeah. As of SmackDown, she was the centerpiece. Yeah. yeah. And she looked great in the match against Charlotte. The match against Charlotte was really good on SmackDown. For me, I know, have you seen WWE's list of, like, top list of matches for 2018? For me, Charlotte versus Asuka at WrestleMania is right, right up there. there. And, and I know a lot of people a lot of people didn't really agree, or a lot of people don't really agree with it. Um, I think people think, think it was a good match and nothing more. But I like, and I think it, it might have just been because we were at MK11 and it, we were involved, we were invested in it and you know we had predictions and shit like that and it came so early in the card and that the, the result was unpredicted that I was emotionally exhausted after that match. And only a good match can do that to you. So I think, I put, for me, that was well up there with match of the year for me. Yeah, definitely. Top, definitely top five. I think, like, the match overall, everything about the match, mm. like the story, the action, And it was the such result. a simple story as well. Yeah. Just, you're undefeated, you're the champion, Someone's got to give. And when you look at the physicality in the match, it was Asuka's Asuka Lock versus Charlotte's figure eight. Yeah. So they both picked body pieces. Body pieces? Body parts. Body parts. <laughs> I guess technically that's right, but... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a very simple story, very well told, great match. And in the match on SmackDown, obviously... Not to the same standard because it's an episode of SmackDown, but really, really good match. Um, and they got quite a long time as well. They did get, and, and obviously the main event. And that's something that, again, positives for WWE. Women main eventing the weekly shows is now like 
a common occurrence. They don't have to mention... And they don't have to mention... ...that it's women main event in. Yeah. We had a women's battle royal the other week for <laughs> as the main event of SmackDown. Like, that would have been pre-show stuff or show opening stuff in the past. So massive, massive strides forward. For Do we reckon this will main event TLC? I mean, it should. They probably won't. Um, I, I mean... I think WWE is quite fortunate where they've got a few different... Now Roman's uh, not in t- at TLC. They can't just stick him in the main event in yeah. a meaningless singles match. But, I mean, they could put Seth and Dean on last. They could put this on last. Or they could put Braun and Baron or whatever they do that last. Uh, so they've got quite a few different avenues, which is quite good for them. Um, so I know overall this episode was meant to be about positivity. And I think we've, we've drawn out quite a lot of positives. <laughs> Yeah, WWE doing things. In, I mean, invariably, it's WWE's fault. I think that's if that's what we take away from it. Yeah, we had an entire section on how the fans are shit. <laughs> fans are shit. Go <laughs> yourselves, peeps. I think invariably, when you talk about positives, negatives come with it. Yeah, exactly. You no, can't. No. It's impossible not to compare the two. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we balanced it all right I think so I mean I, I, overwhelmingly I think a lot of people are feeling in a negative way about WWE at the minute and it's understandable um, I get it but you've just got to remember it's always shit at this time of year the Royal Rumble is in a month and that will be when it's great and then for the, f- the f- two two months between m- Rumble and Mania it's really fun yeah and then for, you know post Mania immediately is always great then there's a bit of a dip. Then it goes to SummerSlam. Things get interesting. Post then, there's a little bit of a dip. Throughout the summer, really, everything's fine. Yeah. Um, if you know, you know, if It's warm outside. <laughs> Wrestling's <laughs> good. The football's meaningful uh, until it disappears. Um, but yeah, if there are people thinking, oh, thinking about not watching WWE in the new year because they've had enough, then I understand. But Just wait. Wait, wait it out. Wait for around the rumble. And my advice to anyone from enjoying the Rumble the most is, firstly, get invested in it, make some predictions, have something riding on it with Come friends. Come to MK11. <laughs> watch it with friends. Have a few drinks if, you do, if you're that way inclined. Um, and just enjoy the actual show, rather than trying to second-guess everything and trying to go, well, done this because of this. And, and also, don't try and spoil it for yourself. Oh, I swore that Nakamura's going to win the Rumble again. Yeah. Don't. Just be like, oh, I hope Nakamura wins the Rumble again or something. Yeah, don't, don't just be like, oh, Dave Meltzer reported that this guy's the favourite to win. Don't go searching for spoilers. I mean, because that's my that's one of my biggest problems with fans. Enjoyment for yourself. Nothing's a surprise these days because you keep looking it up. Yeah, I think it's again. Sometimes the fans are their own worst enemies. But at the same time, There's too much information at our disposal. That's a good point. At the same time, WWE, you know aren't doing everything they can to win people around. So, you know, there's, there's, it swings around about pros and cons on both sides. Um, I think we've covered most of them in this episode, but we could probably go on for a whole week about the, the different positives and negatives in WWE at the minute. Uh, but what I would say to people is just, you know, think about, you know, the situation WWE in and, and put yourself in their situation a lot of the time because it's not possible to please all of the people all of the time. No. You're just never going to achieve that. So, you know, they're trying to... If they've got storylines in mind, let them play out. If and when they get, you know, if they play out too long, like way too, way too long, and you get frustrated, then fine. But, I mean, you you just got to look at it from their point of view. They're making these storylines with a purpose. 
And if you don't like that storyline, then maybe that storyline wasn't for you in the first place. Yeah. And if you... Uh, we all disagree with a lot of the booking and the creative that goes into the things that we're seeing at the moment. But if they were to give the power to the fans, it would be a fucking... It's the definition of the inmates running the asylum. Definitely. I guess that would probably be more the case if the wrestlers were booking everything. That would be the definition of WCW. Um... Yeah, the fans go, oh, we could book you so much better than they do, but I'm I'm sure you would really struggle. You could put it together for a few weeks, but you've got to do it every week, multiple times a week, consistently, for forever. <laughs> there's no stop. There's no, there's no pause. So, cut them some slack. Definitely. Um, right, so that sort of draws to a close our episode this week. Um it will actually be the last episode of the year for us. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping next year. Obviously, I'm going to be in Australia for a little while. So feel free to do some episodes with Matt. <laughs> well, I want to do a, a 2018 review so I, I at the start of 2019. I don't know when you're back, though. Uh, January 18th. Oh, so you're midway through the month. That's all yeah. good. I'll be towards Royal Rumble, the week before the Royal Rumble. Um, but, I mean, I mean, unless we can find some time on another day, that's not a Wednesday, but you never know. Um... So, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd like to do a year in review. I think we did one last year, didn't we? So Yeah, I'd, li- I'd like that to be our start of 2019 one, but we'll see. We'll try and fit one of those in. Um, even if I have to do it on the fucking plane. <laughs> I feel like Matt seems to think it's possible. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Sure we, we can fit one in between Christmas and... Oh, wait, when is it you go? 28th. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Or we'll Boxing Day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Again, we're all in the same place, so maybe we could. Um, but yeah, I mean, so thank you very much for listening to us this week, and actually throughout the year as well. Um, it's been a it's been a big year for us, actually. We've had a, a sharp increase in Twitter followers. Yeah, and that's about it. <laughs> not, not so much listens. <laughs> not so much listens. Did you notice that? Um, I am very much like Baron Corbin. Because I hijacked and took control of our podcast last week, and it got the lowest ratings we've ever had. <laughs> I didn't know that. I think we've had seven <laughs> listens. Wow. Yeah, it's really bad. That was like our best ever start as well. Best ever intro. No one's no one's heard it. <laughs> For <fuck's> sake. Uh, <laughs> Fine. Well, people should go back and listen to that one because it was brilliant. This is where you cut a promo on me telling me how the podcast sucked because of me. Well, it'll have to be a few weeks in a row. Let's see how it is. <laughs> this one gets. Um, but yeah, 2018 has been a big year, and we rounded it off by securing ourselves tickets to Wrestle Fucking Mania. So you know, yeah, big year do. for the PWP boys. You guys may not listen to us, but we're going to Mania, and most of you aren't. <laughs> Way to really get on the side, though. I'm, I'm, that, he- I'm that heel authority figure. I'm turning into the heel authority figure. Okay. The one who actually has no real power. Well, I mean... I... full control over the social media accounts. And the editing and uploading <laughs> of the audio. So literally everything. All of the power. <laughs> and we're in my apartment. <laughs> we have to be. <laughs> um, yeah, so big year. 
so we look forward to 2019 we'll continue to deliver you quality content like we have done for the whole year um and yeah just um 2019 will be a big year for us we're going to be at wrestlemania we're going to be doing some um some recording from new york as well i hope if we can remember to bring all of the equipment with us and um yeah just look out for some of that stuff in the new year so uh, thank you very much for joining us um remember on social media you can find us on twitter at the underscore pwp I'm not even going to bother with the Instagram because we did one post and it's <laughs> the first one we've done in about six months. Yeah. Aiden, where can they find you on Twitter for all of your sarcastic but also very witty opinions? Thanks. Um, Aiden Bunker. A-I-D-A-N. A-N being the big point there. Yes. And um, getting the I in the right place because a lot of people think it's A-D-I-A-N which would be Adian. That's not a real name. No. When have you ever heard of anyone called Adian? But Adrian. <laughs> Um, and you can find me at AliBunker88 uh, on Twitter and you can find Matt who isn't here to, to speak for himself so I'm going to do it for him at the Bear and Bumby um, on Twitter as well so thank you very much for listening to us on the People's Wrestling Podcast it's been a good year 2018 here's to 2019 we will see you next year